Tonight we're all talking on growing environment. You need an environment that's going to foster growth. Okay? Jada, don't make me have to move you, all right? We need environment for us to be able to grow. A good environment for us to grow. Okay? This thing is important. Where you surround yourself, where you plant yourself is really, really important. It's not just a matter of what the soil looks like, but it's what the environment is as well. Where are you at is going to affect your growth. Okay? It will affect how much you grow, how slow, how fast, how fruitful your life is going to be based off the fruits of the Spirit in your life. It all has an effect on it. So, I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you that your word speaks clearly to us. You really do speak clearly. That's one thing that Daniel preached on with Sunday that I just think really speaks volumes, that you do speak clearly. We just have to be in tune to it. We just got to be listening. And God, I pray that we would hear what you want us to hear tonight, that we would have ears to hear, and that we would let them hear. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. When you want something to grow, you have to be careful about where you plant it right? What do you guys think would happen if I were to take an orange from the grocery store, pull out one of the seeds inside of the navel orange, and I went to my yard, and I stuck it in the ground, covered it with soil. I mean, like, the soil is like the best soil we're talking about, okay? What do you think is going to happen? You think an orange tree is going to grow here? No. Maybe something would start, possibly. I don't know. I've never tried it. Because I'm not stupid. <laughs> but if I put an orange seed in the ground here in Montana, and not just Montana, but Butte, Montana, where we're a mile up in elevation, what do you think is going to happen to that thing? Is there any oranges that are going to come from it? I found out that if you were to plant one in Florida where the environment is proper for it, okay, southern Florida specifically, it would take like at least 10 years probably for you, you to even get oranges off the thing. In the place where it's properly grown, <laughs> where it's supposed to be, right? So the environment's important. Where you plant it is vital. It's really, really important, right? If I were to take a tulip bulb and go to Arizona desert, Death Valley, and stick the thing in the ground, what's going to happen to it? <laughs> It's going to die. Some rabbit's probably going to eat it that lives in the desert. <laughs> Some desert hare. But it's, it's not going to make it, right? What about flathead cherries? Who here does not like flathead cherries? Raise your hand. Don't trust those people, okay? <laughs> Run fast. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Don't trust them. <laughs> but flathead cherries... Did you know that flathead cherries are called flathead cherries because they grow at Flathead Lake? If you take a cherry pit from a cherry you got there and come here to Butte and try to grow it, what's going to happen? It's not going to make it. The environment isn't proper for it. It's not going to be able to handle the environment. Okay? It won't make it. Yeah. I mean, the same even goes for a lot of things that can grow in the north. If you were to bring them somewhere super south, they could possibly 
not make it because it's too hot, it's going to scorch the plant, it maybe gets more rain than it's used to, and so it floods it, and then it can't handle it. The environment where it is is important. Now, if I were to plant something where it doesn't belong, what is to blame? Is it the plant? Or is it the environment? If I were to take that tulip and plant it in Death Valley and it doesn't work, would I be like, stupid plants, why didn't you work? You're not growing here. No, I'm to blame, right? I planted it there. That's a dumb idea. It's not going to work. The environment makes a big difference. And it makes a difference in our life. Okay? We have faith that we want to grow where you put yourself is important, okay? Where you plant yourself is vital. Where you allow yourself to grow. There's a special climate for our faith to be able to grow and thrive. The parable John shared last week talks some on this subject. It talks about the sun that comes out and scorches the land and it's the plant started to grow but it couldn't handle the harshness of the sun because it wasn't taking root. The environment of the plant, the seed that fell amongst a bunch of thorns. The environment was devastating to the plant. It wasn't able to make it because there was other things that were sucking out the nutrients in the ground. It was choking it from being able to grow fruit on it. It wasn't able to make it. And that can hit our life as well. The biggest aspect in regards to your environment is the people you let into your life. Okay? Everyone say, have good people. Have good people. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. This is a very, very well-known verse. It's probably one of the most quoted verses in Proverbs. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. <sighs> Caitlin's sharpening Katie, apparently. <laughs> As one person sharpens another. As a brother sharpens a brother. You guys are sharpened by the people in your life. Did you know that? They affect you. Now some people you don't have a whole lot of control over being in your life, like your family, right? That doesn't mean you're set up to fail, okay? God would not say that about your life. It says in the Word that We are not given temptation beyond what we can bear. But in everything, he provides a way out of it. Okay? But there are choices you have in the matter. The friends that you have, you get to choose those. Yeah. You choose who your friends are. What about where you work? Do you have any control over that? Brandon's like, absolutely not. I'm stuck at this job. (laughs) Can I get a glass of water? Thank you. CJ, you rock. Now here's my question. How are your friends sharpening you? Because listen, hey, listen up. Listen up. No matter what, they're going to sharpen you one way or another. The way they sharpen you Depends on the friends, right? You have crappy friends, they're going to do a crappy job of sharpening you. They're going to sharpen you in a way that you shouldn't be. If you have good friends, they're going to sharpen you for the better, okay? 
Thank you, my good sir. Mm. Like a candy. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> How are your friends sharpening you? Are they sharpening you for the better or for the worse? Do they push you to be people who love God and love others? Or are they instilling good character in you? Or are they corrupting your character? <gasps> but this is an important question to ask. You should ask yourself, is, are the people in my life somebody I want to be like? Or are they people that I really wish I wouldn't become? I've heard many times, I'm trying to change my friends. It's so much easier to pull, like change your friends as in change them as a person. I'm trying to change them, not them change me. And I'm not going to use this example, but imagine trying to pull somebody up while they're trying to pull you down. Who's going to win? I mean, if it's my daughter trying to pull me down and me pull her up, I'm going to win, but <laughs> she's six, though. <laughs> but if Tegan were to come up here and me try to pull him up while he's pulling me down, who's probably going to win? You want me to demonstrate? I don't know if I should do that. <laughs> <I've> <laughs> no, no, no. I want to break my leg. No. Okay, listen up, listen up. Who would win? Who do you think would win? The person that's getting pulled up or the person who's pulling down? The person pulling the other one down is going to win, right? Why is that? Gravity. There's another force at work pulling them down with them. Okay, so they don't have to have as much effort. Now, they're... There is something to be said about changing people. Like, we believe people can change, right? And we're supposed to bring the gospel to them and know that that has the power to save them, to change them, to make them a new person. But if you're just trying to change them through your own strength, it's not going to work, okay? Many people pulling somebody up, that's where things are going to change. Having a group of people minister to somebody. That doesn't mean get like... 10 people and go talk to one person and tackle them. <laughs> it's not a good idea. But when you're trying to go solo, trying to change people, they're actually going to be the ones to probably affect you and influence you and change you. Because they're going to pull you down. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be fooled by those who say such things. Don't be fooled by people who say, no, I can change them. They ain't going to change me. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Look to your friend next to you and say, don't be corrupted. <laughs> John and Seth up there. Bad company corrupts good character. There's a quote that I remember hearing when I was in youth group, and I tried to find who the originator of it was, and I, I couldn't find it, so it's really just anonymously accredited. 
But it's a quote that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You want to see where you're going to be? Look at the people closest in your life. Who's in it? Who are the people closest to you? Because that's going to show where you're going in life. Those whom are planted, who you are planted by, or who you become like. Okay? There's an interesting fact about growing plants. If you were to, and specifically coffee, coffee beans, if there's another plant in the soil with it, it starts to have coffee beans that taste like it. So if you were to plant a blueberry plant in a field of coffee beans, where these coffee plants are, the coffee beans would actually have a subtle blueberry flavor to it. It's so cool. <laughs> okay? It's so wonderful. Blueberry coffee is just heavenly. It is so great. Okay? Right, yeah. It'd be, but you take the blueberry, that might taste a little bit like coffee. That'd be a little weird, right? <laughs> but think about it. This is what our life is like. We rub off on each other, right? The people you hang out with, you might start talking like them. You might start doing the things that they do, behaving like them, watching the things that they watch, listening to the music they listen to. Now, this is a good thing if they're watching good things, if they're saying good things, if they're behaving in good ways, right? What happens if your friend is somebody who's talking garbage all the time, has just a filthy mouth, they're watching pornography, they're watching rated R movies constantly, and these rated R movies are like blaringly rated R, right? I don't have to say any movies. You guys know what I'm talking about. Music. Music that you listen to. Is it music that's just full of garbage? I mean... If Jesus were to hear that music, what would he say? Because <laughs> he does hear the music. Especially if you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, <laughs> and you're listening to it. <laughs> but think about it. True, good character is found in the Bible. There are many passages that explain what it looks like to have godly character. And godly character is an important aspect for growth in your life. And having people in your life that have godly character so that you also have that character too. If you guys want to have that kind of character, you have to surround yourself with people that have it themselves. Colossians 3.12-15, through 15, this is one example that has it. Can I have somebody up here read this one actually? Jada said yes. We'll have her come. This is just one example, and I'll share a few more as well. All right, so this part here, okay? Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Okay. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender, ten, tender-hearted kind... <laughs> mercy. Tender-hearted mercy. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 
Above all, clothe yourselves in love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Amen. Let's give her a hymn. This has some godly character traits. My patience is being tested. <laughs> some godly character traits. What are some of them that are in this passage? Kindness. Kindness. Mercy. Mercy. Humility. Humility. Forgiveness. Love. Grace. Love. Is grace in this one? Depends on your translation, maybe. Love. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds all things together in perfect harmony. You could even argue that peace is one. It's one that becomes a result of the other ones being a part of your life. But forgiveness, forgiving others who offend you. And how do you do that? Remembering that you're forgiven as well. Another passage that has godly character, because it says love, right? So you could expound even more on what love is by 1 Corinthians 13. It says love is patient. It's kind. It's not proud. It's not envious, jealous, boastful. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It doesn't rejoice at injustice, at wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Those are examples of what love is. Love never fails, right? Those are aspects of godly character. If you find yourself giving up on people all the time, you've got to work on that. Get yourself around people who won't give up on you. That's important, right? Another one that John you know, brought up last week is the fruits of the Spirit, which are... Love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's not harmony. (laughs) Not harmony. These are all aspects of godly character. Character isn't something that's easy to see right away. Did you guys know that? You can't just look at somebody and immediately know their character. It doesn't work that way. Yes, John, here's a quote. You're a little quick on the draw there. (laughs) So this is an interesting, it's Japanese proverb. I saw it and I'm like, I like that. That's true. Read it. Let's read it together on three. One, two, three. When the character of a man is not clear to you, look at his friends. Japanese proverb. But I think it's very, very true. It's just a different way of saying the first one. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's a little bit different way of saying it. But it's true. If you can't tell somebody's character, you want to know who they are, this is dating advice for you guys too, okay? You guys want to know what somebody's like? What are their friends like? Right? Ladies? You want a good man? Is the man with a bunch of dummies? <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> Are the person's friends garbage? Are they trash? Guys, 
You got to look at the ladies around the lady too, right? <laughs> Are they somebody who is with commendable, honorable people? Think about it. Are they someone who has terrible friends? Or are they somebody who has good friends? You guys, you know if they have good friends, right? It doesn't take much, it doesn't take long to be at school and tell if somebody's garbage. Well, that's fine. You'll find someone. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> After high school. <laughs> We'll, we'll talk afterwards, okay? <laughs> but listen. All right, hey, listen up. Bring it back. Bring it back. Do you guys want me to get done with this? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Your future, guys, listen. Listen to me. Your future is super important. Do you guys believe that? So many of you, CJ, Jada, Zeke, guys, we'll have time to chat afterwards. Shh. I've had three people say it's you. No, that's, that's not true, okay? Do not throw everybody under the bus with you, all right? <laughs> I, I believe it. Quiet, okay? Listen, your future is super important. Do you believe that? Then who do you surround yourself with? Because it determines your future in a large way. And I see so many of you so, so focused on the now. You're so engrossed with today and what this school year is going to be like, which... Don't get me wrong, there's an importance to focusing on today, okay? Jesus says don't worry about tomorrow because it has enough troubles of its own. But, if you're working on today, tomorrow works itself out. <laughs> and today what you need to work on is who you're around. The friends that you have. It's, it's important. If bad company corrupts good character, we should take our company into consideration. We should take it seriously and think seriously about who is influencing us. Who is in your environments? There's only so much you can do about being in the classroom with people, right? But Jesus, he walked around all day with people. But the people that he associated himself with, that he was closest with, were people that he was making a difference in their life and they were asking him questions because they wanted to actually grow. And he says, we're, we need to surround ourselves with people. What was he doing when he was 12 years old? He was surrounding himself with people who knew stuff. Who had wisdom that they could instill into him. He was asking good questions. He was doing the work to have a good future. And he's literally God. <laughs> so how much more do we need to do that, right? First, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 14-17 says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What 
And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. This is what he's saying about you if you follow Jesus, if you've given your life to him and choose to trust in him. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. Plant yourself in a good environment. A place that's not going to be sucking the life out of you. That's not going to be toxic to your relationship with the Lord. And separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. Say, don't touch that. Come on. Say, don't touch that. Don't touch their filthy things. And I will welcome you. The important thing is to not team up with them. You guys can't just depart from this world and not have any unbelievers in your life, okay? You should have some unbelievers in your life because you should be sharing the gospel with them. You should be making a difference in their life. You should be being Jesus on this planet. And that's not just to other people that are being Jesus. That's also to people that don't know him. But you shouldn't be teaming up with those people, okay? We don't want to isolate ourselves completely from this world. You can listen to my Sunday sermon if you want to hear more on that. <laughs> but you need to think about who your absolutely closest friends are. Who are they? Are they people who are bringing you closer to Jesus? Or are they people that are actually making you look more and more like the world? Because if they're in your life long enough, influencing you long enough, you'll just go back to it. Your life will be no different than when you first started believing in Jesus, before you started believing. They're going to do nothing but corrupt you. If they are people who have filthy mouths, watch filthy reels, filthy YouTube videos, filthy movies, don't touch their filthy things. Don't be a part of it with them. And sometimes it's just the filthy things in our life that we need to get out. Caitlin talks about that. <laughs> Getting rid of those idols, those things in your life that are holding you back from having close relationship with God. They're going to do nothing but corrupt you. This, is, this also goes for just the filthy things in your life. Don't touch them means you shouldn't have them in your life either. Okay? Think of your life in Christ like a greenhouse. This is my ending point I want to have for you, okay? Think of your life in Christ like a greenhouse. What is a greenhouse's purpose? What is it for? You guys know? It's for plants, but why? Like, what is, what's it used for? To grow them. If you have a greenhouse, you can grow things in your environment that you wouldn't normally be able to. You'd be able to grow tomatoes here in Butte if you have a greenhouse. But if you don't have a greenhouse, it's going to struggle. <laughs> it's going to be real hard. And you have to learn how to use one, just like learning how to grow plants outside. But it does something for your faith. When you put yourself in an environment that protects it, it takes care of it, it brings growth to the highest potential, it allows the plants in the greenhouse to get a good start before you can move them outside. 
Now, if you've got just a normal-sized greenhouse, are you going to be able to have a tree live in there? Probably not. It's probably not going to be big enough, right? But you can start a tree in there. You can start growing a tree in there, and then when the tree becomes strong enough, big enough, to be able to grow and live in a harsher environment, you can move the thing outside and then have it be able to grow better. And this, I just think, is just such a beautiful picture of our faith. When we come to Jesus, you need to cultivate it. You need to take care of it. CJ, come up here, please. (laughs) You don't think that was at all rude? Just come up here. Come on. I'm almost done. We need... Just, please. (laughs) We need to cultivate the growth. CJ. Thank you. We need to cultivate growth. And one thing that you need to do is you need to place your faith in an environment when you're young, when you're growing in your faith, that it can grow strong. If you're planting yourself in an area that's constantly berating you, it's tearing you down, you've got people pulling you down that are detrimental to your faith, it's going to affect it. And who knows if you'll have it five, ten years from now. There's a friend of mine I had who, he was new to the faith, and there were some people in his life that he had in his past life that were really toxic to his relationship with the Lord. They were blatant atheists. They were flat-out atheists. They absolutely hated God, and the way they talked about God was very, very vulgar, and this individual didn't want to remove these people from his life. And I told him, dude, they're not going to be good for you. It doesn't mean you don't show yourself friendly to them, but you are way too close. You're, like, they're the main person they had in their life for counsel to go to when things were hard, things were difficult, having problems with people in their life, and they just told them worldly wisdom. What do you guys think happened to this guy's faith? It was dead. His faith got totally shipwrecked. His He had a relative of his pass away, totally destroyed his faith. Because he he had a storm come and he couldn't handle it. Because he had people in his life, he didn't have a good environment that he was growing his faith in. And then when the storms came, it rocked him. And he couldn't handle it. And this goes for ourselves. We need to be careful with the people we allow in our life, the people in your environment determine where you're going.